Hi, uh, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? I'm Russell DeMaria. And, um, you know, you sent me an email about uh, a Kickstarter project uh, that you're working on related to games. Uh, can you talk about that more? Yeah, um, I am the author of uh, quite a few books, but this one in particular is um, called High Score, The Illustrated History of Electronic Games. Uh, the book is, uh, went into two editions and now is out of print. Um, but, of course, history doesn't really change. Uh, well, it does, but not the old history. Um, so I'm doing a third edition, but uh, I need to get some funding to help me do it. It's going to take four to six months of research and travel and, and working with different people. It, it's uh, kind of complex. But the book will be updated uh, considerably from the first and second edition and also expanded to include uh, information about the last decade because the um, first two editions stopped around the year 2000. So there's going to be quite a bit of new new material, uh, obviously, um, with interest to your uh, your listeners. It's going to be it definitely have a great section on indie games. Um, I know a lot of indie game people here in Seattle, and uh, I, I think it's a very important part of what's going on right now in the industry. Obviously, yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned working on um, the first and second editions. Can you talk about what what was in uh, those editions? Well, I started way, way back, (laughs) maybe a little too far back. I don't know. I started with really the inception of computer technology and programming uh, up through transistors and chips and all that stuff. Um, It was brief, but I went through that and then started with um, uh, Tennis for Two and uh, uh, Space War, uh, which is the first game I played back in 1967. And uh, then went through the 70s with the different companies, with Atari, Coleco, and all these companies. And it took a lot of research. I had to find a lot of people um, that were no longer in the industry, uh, like Dave Rosen, who was the founder of uh, of Sega, who actually started making uh, carnival-type games back in the 50s. And I was able to find him in Japan. And um, that was quite something to <laughs> to find him and other people too, um, you know. And I got to talk to you know people and get some great assets. The book is very visual. Uh, there's probably about two thousand images in the first book, um, and so I, I was you know I cover everything really uh, in great detail. Um, the seventies and the eighties, uh, the nineties as they become less and less of personal stories and more and more about corporations, um, especially after uh, Sony entered the the uh, uh, business with the PlayStation. Uh, it did become a little more difficult to make a real personal story out of it, but I still yeah. covered everything up until about 2000, which is around Xbox 2. Um, and uh, so, you know, it, it, it's very visual. People like it. Um, I'm finding out in the Kickstarter po- uh, project how many people really love the book and how it's affected their lives. Um, one guy even told me that it was the reason that he went into game journalism because of reading my book. So, so oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, so anyway, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of rambling on it, but there's there's so much in the book, I I can don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah. So for the listeners, if they're in front of a web browser right now, if they go to Kickstarter, how can they find your Kickstarter project? Um, well, the let's see, the actual URL. Well, it'd be easy just to search for High Score. Okay. High um, score. That that'll take you to it, but the actual. Uh, title of it is Game History Book High Score Third Edition. Okay. Um, that's how it's listed, but there's uh, some numbers and stuff. Um, but it's easy enough to find on Kickstarter if you just look. So as you were doing research, um, you know, for the first and second editions, uh, 
you know, when you were interviewing these people, I guess, was there any kind of common theme or trend that you found amongst the, you know, the successful game developers? Um, there were a few. Uh, one of the common themes that I noticed is it often took somebody who was a brilliant designer along with somebody who was really good at marketing and would put a lot of attention and, and energy into that. A good case in point would be Roberta Williams and her husband, John, who really uh, got the, you know, or Ken, actually, and then and their, um, I forget, Ken, uh, John, but John Williams, Ken Williams, and Roberta Williams all worked together to make Sierra successful, and mm -hmm. Roberta was primarily the designer. Another good case is um, Will Wright and Jeff Braun. Um, I actually remember when I was walking around at a, a big show. I think it was a CES. I don't remember for sure. And I was walking by the Broderbund booth, and this guy comes out I've never seen before. And he says, you got to see this. you got to see this. This is, this is the greatest thing ever. And he was just marketing the heck out of it, and he was so adamant and, and animated about it. And I went and looked at it, and it was SimCity. And the guy was Jeff Braun. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've since become pretty good friends with Will, but um, Jeff was really proselytizing. He was out there making it happen. And, of course, Will is a brilliant designer and, and continued to do what he did. But that, that partnership is what helped Maxis get off the ground and become successful. Um, another theme that is not uncommon is people maxing out their credit cards um, in order to become successful. And, of course, I only hear about the ones who made it. Yeah. Uh, there probably were a lot of them that didn't, uh, but they're the ones that you fall by the wayside and don't make history, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, were there any, because you've covered multiple platforms, you know, and were you noticing themes when a new platform emerges? Or, I mean, is it is it the same story in every platform where, you know, it's just a whole bunch of indie developers at first and then it consolidates? Or, I mean, have you noticed any trends like that? Well, <clears throat> you know, with early platforms, early consoles, for instance, there were obviously um, people who were um, uh, more indie. With the later platforms, or at least with the later consoles, it became a bigger deal until, you know, things like Xbox Live um, uh, um, made it possible to do things, that, you know, that were not as high budget. Um, and, and obviously, over the years, as you know, computer games obviously evolved quite a bit. Um, but I think smaller companies were able to take advantage of opportunities as they are today with mobile and social games and casual games. Um, the indie, you know, the opportunities for indie developers now are better than they've ever been, really, in yeah. some ways, because everybody was an indie developer in the, in the early days. But now, with a much bigger, much more robust audience and, and, and more acceptance for games, um, it's possible to do very well as an indie, as we've seen from a lot of games that have come out and uh, really kind of taken the world by storm, and they weren't coming from the major studios always. Yeah. And what's, you know, what have been some of the more interesting interviews? Because it sounds like you've interviewed some of the, you know, some of the more famous developers or successful developers and the past history of video games, um, you know, what, have there been any um, interviews that have really stood out or I guess perspectives that have stood out as you've interviewed people? Yeah, you know, that's a hard question to answer because I did so many of the interviews years ago, but yeah. um, I've always enjoyed certain people. Um, Trip Hawkins was very interesting. Um, it, it was really interesting because at first with Trip, you didn't want to 
help me. He didn't want to give me uh, information for the book because he's thinking of doing his own book. But I kind of stayed persistent and he finally relented. And when he did, he gave me great interviews, great information, and even gave me the run of his house. And okay. uh, just said, here, have at it. You can do anything you want. And I was he, he was, he was a very interesting guy. You know, he had incredible vision. Uh, his business plan is prophetic. It's amazing how accurate it is. And, um, and he was very generous um, once I convinced him. Uh, another great interview was with Roberta Williams because she was another one who at first really – she left the industry and didn't really want to talk about it. And I, um, I wrote to her and, you know, impassioned, please not to not, not, to, uh, not be in my book. You know, was, she was a very important part of the early history of computer games. And, um, and eventually she did and she called me. Uh, she, she and Ken, and they called me from uh, Mexico on their dime and spent at least two hours just giving me the whole story of, of you know, their whole uh, history getting started and what they went through to create Sierra and all the ups and downs. And they were one of the companies that had maxed out their credit cards and, you know, things were pretty dire and they, they were able to be successful. So, <laughs> well, what, what was the thing that, you know, I- a lot of developers go through those dire situations. What turned it around for Sierra? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, you know, and, and I, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I, I have to read the book because you know this is the funny thing. I've written more than sixty books, and okay. frankly, because I do so much writing, I don't always remember all the details of everything I write. Yeah. So I often re- return to my own book to find things that I've forgotten. So it's one of the realities of being a writer, I guess, is you yeah. write stuff and then it goes out and you just, you go on to the next thing. And after the Sierra interview, were there any other interviews that you also found compelling? Or, uh, Yeah, I mean, Will Wright is always fascinating. Yeah, um, He's just a really interesting thinker. So I've, every conversation I've had with him is fascinating. Um, John Romero was really great. Uh, I had a really good time with him, and he helped me a lot with um, a lot of Apple II software that he had a, a big collection of. And, um, you know, Ed Log was really interesting, the guy who created Asteroids and Centipede. Um, I really enjoyed meeting him. He was somebody I'd never met before, and he was very generous. And he gave me, uh, let me scan some of his original uh, concept um illustrations that he made like sort of technical illustrations that he was doing for asteroids which was so cool a lot of these things you know it sounds like you know a lot of the people that you talk to they have these kind of inner workings of how they actually succeeded or their games worked do you i mean do you put that in the book or is that just kind of more of secondary information that guides what you actually describe in the book or or how does that work like are these interviews available in the book it's part of the story you know, I mean, I mean, the whole thing is a story. And um, so telling the story of a company as much as possible through their own perception and their own through in their own words uh, was my goal. So I quote people a lot and I try to tell the story accurately according to what they experienced and what they tell me. Now, you know, you said that you kind of stopped around 2000 and that this next edition will cover kind of the, you know, 2000 up till now but what uh you know what what exactly would you cover i mean what how, how would what's going to be the research then for this third edition well i have a large um outline set up and it's it's a little tricky to uh give you every bit of it because i'm still kind of working it out okay 
So yeah, so it, it's um, <laughs> definitely you know indie games are part of it. The the social games, mobile games, uh, the major games of this uh, you know this era. Um, it's 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 a lot, you know. Yeah, and um, so you know you mentioned that the first and second edition were out of print. Is there any reason why they aren't on Kindle or on um, on Amazon or something else like that, where people can just pick it up in digital format? Yeah, yeah. Um, up till now, I, I, because it's so visual, I, I didn't really know how to um, make it work. And okay. so I, I, you know, how to make something that was um, so visual into an, an ebook. So I've I've tried, you know, to find something, and and I've actually been talking to some people about that. My publisher. Um, Tells me that they do regularly make ebooks out of uh, out of their books, so I'm hoping that that will be good. But I actually want to do a very much more d- deluxe version, uh, something that's you know much more uh, interactive, possibly even lets you play some of the old games and links to videos and stuff like that. So that's a that's a long term plan that I hope to do after the book is done. Okay, uh, and- but but in the meantime, yeah. It, you know that it will be available after the this book comes out through the publisher it won't, may not be as as the deluxe edition that i have in mind but it will be something and it's one of the things that's being offered on on um on the kickstarter project there's quite a few uh rewards for donors that are that are being offered yeah um you know let's talk about this kickstarter project what uh what inspires you to put it on kickstarter versus some other type of um I guess, way to, to get funds? Well, publishers can't afford to give you very much money. And frankly, print books often don't make that much money, but yeah. they really want to publish it. So I'm happy about that. I, I don't expect to make a lot of money off the book. I'm doing it because it's really important to me and it's important. I think it's important for history. Um, but I, I, I hadn't really thought of how I was going to do it and how I was going to fund myself um, until I uh, uh, was talking to David Perry about it. And David's a friend of mine. I worked with him for a long time and wrote a book with him. And uh, David said, why don't you try Kickstarter? And I said, I, I heard of it, but I didn't think about doing that. And he said, well, you know, it might work really well. It works really well for Tim Schafer. <laughs> and, um, and so I said, yeah, well, I'll give it a thought. You know? And he said, and what you could do is you could offer like a lunch or a dinner with uh, some of the people in the industry, like Will Wright and these people that you know, uh, as, as one of the incentives. And so I asked Dave, so I said, would you be one of them? Would you do that? He said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Awesome. So that was kind of how I started. I figured, well, I know a lot of people in the industry, and they, they like me, and I think that they would do this, and they like the book. So I went out and started talking to people about it, and I got a buy-in from Will and uh, a bunch of other people, John Romero. And uh, ultimately, over time, I've got, I don't know how many, maybe 20 20 different people doing that, offering the, that. Some of them are just veterans of the industry, maybe not household words, but really, really, in, I mean, household names, but they're very, very interesting people. Yeah. And uh, all veterans who've been in the industry for decades. And, uh, you know, I've got, finally, recently I got Peter Molyneux uh, to join it. Sitting there. Yeah. Uh, so there's some amazing people uh, that are offering an opportunity to meet with them. So, so basically, even if someone is interested in, and um, funding this project, they have the opportunity to also then not only pledge towards the book, but they get a dinner or something else with certain luminaries in the industry. 
it seems. Yeah, those are fairly okay. expensive. I mean, I yeah. had to make them fairly expensive because I had to limit them to a very small number of people. But um, there's also books that they can get, uh, you know, and, and e-books and T-shirts that I'm working on. Uh, so there, there will be a number of things. And, and it's being fairly successful. It started a little bit slowly, but um, now it's picking up and I'm getting a little bit of coverage from people and it's helping. So, you know, it's an experiment. I'm learning as I go. Um, do you feel that it was slow at first because you weren't promoting it as much as, you know, now being more aggressive and trying to reach out? Or did these did these dinners come in after the fact? Maybe that's what... No, the dinners were there from the beginning, but they uh -huh. are expensive for most people, especially yeah. because they're geographical. You know, if you're oh yeah, good point. You want to have dinner with Peter Molyneux, you have to be in England. He's not going <laughs> to the states to do that. You know, so it's not an easy thing for most people to afford, but yeah. some people have. Um, but you know, it was it was not an afterthought. It was at the beginning, but there were many things that I had to change as I learned, I, and I I tried to publicize it as much as possible at the beginning. But these things take time. I'm not, you know. I don't have as big a social network overall, and you know, I, I got people to reach, retreat things, and and you know, help me with it. But um, it just took time to get it really going, and and as I said, I've learned as I go. I've had a lot of great advice from people. I yeah, really what, appreciated what, that. what what have been those suggestions or um, well, thing we're sharing or just, yeah, just just the kinds of awards that people want. You know, yeah. people want to. Uh, support the project, but they kind of want something back. And yeah. <clears throat> well, I think I, I'm I, looking at the pledges right now. I mean, I think it's pretty amazing that you can have dinner with uh, Will Wright. Yeah, you know that's that's pretty awesome. But yeah, and believe me, it'll be a say. fun dinner because Will is just fascinating to be around. So okay, and well, it, the, the other thing about <laughs> it was that I found out that um, well, I, I kind of knew this, but I I. I found out that I'll have to buy the books from the publisher. It won't be at full retail, but it'll still be expensive. And then I have to send them, <clears throat> so I have to pay for packaging and shipping. So it, it turns out that it's going to be fairly expensive for me to supply books to people. Well, isn't no, isn't that also dangerous to even to use? I mean, it just seems like most of the developers, you know, you talk about um, 2000 to 2012, you know, just how we've seen even digital distribution and games really take hold. I mean, shouldn't that be the same case with the book or what's what's the issue there well no it's just it's just expensive they're <clears throat> they're physical books and people like physical books you well, know some of them but i think a lot of them may not you know i think i don't know i mean it's it's just worth thinking like for example for me i would actually prefer a digital book because it's just easier for me to refer to and, well, and that would be this, an option yeah yeah I mean, that is an option but i didn't know that at first so that's something i added but but you know let's be frank you know um it is a nice thing. It's like a coffee table book. My book is very yeah. visual. It's fun to look at. It's not just something you read. <clears throat> no, I agree. I think it'll be great on an iPad, you know, or, or any other digital medium. I have no doubt that it will be. But um, but in the in the long run, there are a lot of people who still like books. It's just one of those things, you know. Okay. Um, cool. And yeah, I guess any other um interesting facts or, or knowledge that would be relevant to the audience um, just uh, related to, to the project? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a great project. It's a great book. A lot of people like it. And uh, <clears throat> hopefully, you know, people will support it and be glad they did. Yeah. My hope is that they'll enjoy it. And uh, for me, it's like it's not a... Um, 
it's not a money making thing. It's it's something that I believe in. Um, there are video little videos that I got from uh, <clears throat> from um, Will and 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 Sid Meier and uh, David. Uh, I mean um, John Romero yeah. uh, and um, uh, Tommy Tallarico all recorded little things when I was at, um, at GDC for me that recommended and and they said some nice and poignant things about the importance of history and keeping it in mind even for you know this new developers people who are uh doing development now well yeah so, why why would history be important for the newer developers um is there any i guess some um, summary that you know because i mean for for maybe new indie developers who are maybe using as a, being kind of more of a hobbyist or something else like that you know it just seems like a lot of the stuff from the past may not even be relevant to now well, you'd be surprised how yeah, things, and how things stay the same even though they change. Okay. Um, it, it's it it may not seem like it would be relevant, but it really is. Okay. And is is there anything that some of these other people have mentioned related to the importance of history? I guess when they were designing games, or yeah, oh, I mean, some of them didn't have any history to draw, draw from, but yeah. really, almost everybody was inspired by something. Okay. You know, I mean, we'll write. Uh, what was he? He was inspired by um, Seven uh, Cities of Gold, I believe it was. Okay. You know, I mean, it, it, there was actually a GDC panel where Will and uh, Sid and um, maybe it was Sid that was in, um, but Will, Sid, and uh, John Romero, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on who else. There were four people who were talking about what inspired them. Yeah. In in their their beginnings and their stop and when you looked at what they said, you listened to what they said about what inspired them. It made total sense. You could see in their game what they took from the games that inspired them. It was fascinating. And oh, uh, Cliffy B was the other one. Oh yeah. Um, for so if someone wants to pledge for one of these dinners or something else like that, how does that exactly work? So they they pledge the money, right, and yeah. then they would just meet up with you and the main person because like for some of these pledges it, it doesn't say where these people are located right you know, yeah so for example it, will Wright or um or sid meyer you know well i mean they're all in different places and and the thing is that you know maybe maybe we could do that i i probably could have added that of where they are uh, but i was not limiting it it's something that would be arranged afterwards okay um, most people who know these people have some idea of, uh, where they're located. I mean, Sid has been on East, on the East coast, um, forever. Oh, yeah. okay. And, uh, and Will has always been on the West coast in the San Francisco area. And, um, you know, so, uh, I think if somebody wants to message me on it, I can always tell them where the person is. Cause I get messages all the time and I answer them promptly. Okay. So, you know, that could be something. Cool. Um, Great. So for the listeners out there, once again, how can they find the Kickstarter project? Uh, just go to Kickstarter and look for High Score or High Score 3, and you should be able to find it. Uh, great. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Interesting project. So I appreciate your, your time with me. Thanks very much. Cool. Take care. Bye. Bye.